Hello everyone and welcome to episode number eight of the NXT Nightcap, recapping night two of the Great American Bash on the USA Network. I am your host and humble guide, Keila Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 24 of the Russell Subtopia Network continues. Happy Friday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW comes to a close. And most importantly, we have survived two weeks a fighter fest for AEW and NXT's Great American Bash. And I have to say it was two fun weeks of professional wrestling that saw the fans win. Now I know outside of this podcast, there's a firestorm surrounding ratings and demos and all that jazz. And I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna say this one time and one time only. NXT for the last three weeks have won overall viewers but they've lost the key demos. They won some demos a couple of weeks ago, but have lost the demos except over 50 over the past couple of weeks. AEW, per the usual, wins most demos and chart in the top 10 on the cable charts, which is great for them. I think my issue came yesterday with Tony Khan touting those demos and twisting himself at a pretzel to explain himself. Like, we get it, we know, because that's what advertisers look for, 18 to 49. That demo is the money demo. That is how you are making your money. That is your bread and butter. If you're achieving greatness there, you're doing pretty good. I think the larger issue is for a month, you hyped Fighter Fest as its major show. NXT put a rabbit out of the hat at the last possible moment, which I predicted they would do because when you reveal a date, they're gonna say, oh, we got you with the Great American Bash. And they did. And they won overall for two weeks. They did not win the demos and the DVR is probably gonna give AEW a bigger lead, but we shall see. But it's a victory for wrestling fans because you got two really fun shows that over-delivered. That was good, too great, especially the main events from last night's show with Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho being stellar alongside Keith Lee and Adam Cole going at it for the NXT and NXT North America Championships respectively. Two great main events going head to head. Cannot wait to see how those quarters fared for both respectively. My thing is, when you already have the money back with AEW until the year 2024, up until that point in time, I explain nothing to no one. My contract speaks for itself, as it should. But I think Tony might be a little salty because I hyped these shows up for a month and their pay-per-view caliber, and maybe he was expecting 800,000 viewers, 850, 900,000 viewers perhaps for AEW, which they've cleared during the pandemic era. NXT has actually been getting momentum over the past month and a half starting with the fight pit match with Matt Riddle and Timmy Thatcher. That was unique and interesting and really stole the show for them. And since then, they've been gaining a level of momentum to say, hey, we're here to compete. We're here to go head to head. Let's have some fun. And that's great. That's wonderful to see. That's the purpose of this battle. As predicted, that things would tighten up the more AEW ages into his one year infancy on television and NXT being that show that can always be relied upon to be solid to very good most weeks. So when you have that level of consistency converge, yeah, things are gonna get tight. And when you hype a show for a month, you do expect better overall numbers than what you got. But that was NXT saying, oh no, sir, we got something for that ass too. And yeah, they won overall viewers, did not win the demos, but they made it a closer battle because in the early days of this war, 
NXT was getting drummed triple, quadruple in those demos, getting their asses whooped. And that's not fun for anybody because you want a competitive battle that's gonna make Wednesday night's destination television. There is no need to take sides in this war. I love both. I talk about both extensively and I can't wait for the day when they both are in front of fans again and I can talk about these shows separately and express my fandom for AEW and NXT because I love what they deliver. Two consistently great shows catering to the fans that want sensible, entertaining, professional wrestling. It does not get any better than that. But I will tell Tony Khan that listen, you got the money back. I don't have to explain nothing to anybody. The demos got me where I am and I have nothing to explain regarding my numbers. Paul Levesque would never do that. Do you see him touting victories on social media? Fuck no. I'm above that. Let USA Network do that for me. And I'm sure Warner Media and Turner Sports will do that for Tony Khan because that's what the PR team is there for. We pimp you accordingly and say you do this, that, and the third for us. And we appreciate you and come to the company Christmas party at the end of the year. That's what you're supposed to do. Defer to them. Don't be your own PR person. Don't twist yourself in a pretzel to justify the numbers for what they are. That's great. But when you hype a show up, your overall viewership, yeah, you expected more. And I think that's where that frustration comes from. And it just happens to come out on Twitter. Be more subdued about it. It's cool to humble brag if you win a quarter, if you were a wrestler and said, we did that shit in quarter three, we did that in the main event, we slayed. That's wonderful. That's a humble brag because you as a star are the draw. That's fan fucking tastic. But I don't need the owner trying to tout numbers to me. I don't want to hear that. Let your press release team do that for you, courtesy of Turner Sports or Warner Media. For WWE, it's USA Network or NBC Universal. They handle that PR at the end of the year. We rank number one entertainment and NXT, like blah, blah, blah. They do that for you. Don't do it for yourself. It makes you look a little bit insecure in what you're doing. Because yeah, that is a concern. Overall viewership, it wasn't where you wanted it to be. And you have to figure that out because sports is coming back come August for both shows. Major League Baseball, the NBA, two sports leagues that specifically target demos for both shows. Baseball skews older, that's NXT's audience. NBA skews younger, that's AEW's core audience. Where are those fans gonna go? It's important to build equity now before those sports leagues get up and running if COVID isn't running wild in the bubble in which they're in. If that's not the case, sports are coming back with no fans, but the people are going to watch nonetheless because hey, it's the NBA, it's Major League Baseball, let's get it on. So if you're building equity with the Great American Bash and Fighter Fest, and you're trying to maintain that level of momentum heading towards August, September, October, then you gotta focus on that and not focus on these demos because right now it's cute to talk about it, but when they start taking that hit, which is inevitable because sports is returning, who's gonna weather that storm? Will it be AEW? Will it be NXT? Because we know NASCAR takes a hit on both. We know that UFC on ESPN Plus fight nights take a hit on both. How will Major League Baseball and the NBA affect both? Who can withstand the hit? And will Tony Khan be as confident to tout those demos in August, September, October, November, election time, debate time? Those numbers are going to take a fucking hit. 
And that's going to be the first time AEW is going to be in the WWE position of shit. We're hitting these lows. What can we do to withstand the heat? And that is going to be their next test. So my advice to him from this day forward, say nothing about your numbers. You got your money. You're good until 2024. Got your second show coming up on Turner Sports. Whenever that's going to debut, probably AEW Dark. Focus on those good things. Don't worry about those demos. You got that on lock. You ain't got to explain nothing to nobody. Focus on August, September, October, so forth. Focus on major sports. Focus on the election. Focus on the presidential debates. Focus on those numbers. And if you do take those hits, how can you sustain and get those numbers back up when you weather that storm? Same goes for NXT as well. They might be able to sustain the heat a little bit better, historically speaking, but we shall see for them as well. They're both in for a bumpy ride come August. And it's important to do great shows now, to build goodwill now, to get you ready to weather potential storms in the dog days of summer, into the fall season, and into the winter as well. Focus on building stars, focus on telling great stories, and focus on putting on the best show possible. That's all I gotta say. Demos are nice. Call me in August, then call me a month later. Call me when you turn a year old and now we have those year-to-year -year comparisons of how far you're up and how far you're down. Then we can have that conversation about demos. Until then, I got the key, I'm throwing it away, I'm telling Tony Khan to zip it. Because right now, this ain't the time. It really won't be the time come August when sports are back presumably speaking. And with that out of the way, it's now time to talk about last night's episode of The Great American Bash on the USA Network Night 2, which was headlined by Keith Lee versus Adam Cole for the NXT and North America Championships, respectively. And it was a stellar main event, which I will get into shortly. But let's start from the very top with Candice LeRae versus Mia Yim in a street fight, the second ever street fight in the women's division in NXT history. And I thought this was a pretty good match. Both ladies worked incredibly hard. We had chairs, we had trash cans, we had kendo stick shots from Yim and Candice LeRae respectively. We had them fighting all over Full Cell, which featured Mia Yim drop kicking Candice LeRae through a table in the food catering section and a great bump spot from there. She did a cannonball to Candice LeRae with her being stuffed in a trash can followed by a drop kick for good measure. Then we had the odd introduction of Brass Knuckles, a William Regal go-to, but for whatever reason, Candice LeRae easily snatched them out of Mia Yim's hands, put them on her fingers, knocked her out as they stood on this table platform that was on the top turnbuckle, like a seesaw, and I admire their balance for not falling off, which is certainly not an easy thing to do and Candice LeRae delivers a crazy swinging net breaker from the top of that table bridge onto a stack of steel chairs on the ring mat as she gets the win by draping herself over Mia Yim. Both ladies are knocked out. They sewed the finish beautifully and Johnny Gargano during the break carried his wife backstage as Mia Yim got up on her own power. And presumably this is the end of their feud for now, but it was a very good one while it lasted. I still want that traditional one-on-one -on -one match because as of late, Mia Yim has looked really good in the ring. She's wrestling with a lightness and freedom I haven't seen from her previously. And LeRae is fully locked in with her character and possibly 
will be in a NXT Women's Championship match against Io Shirai if Shirai retains her title against Tegan Knox on next week's episode of NXT. Their match at TakeOver Toronto was stellar, a treat, a surprise beyond words, and to see them have a fully developed battle with the roles reversed with Larey as the babyface no longer and Io Shirai being an absolute badass as a champion. They could tear down the house with or without actual fans. And I thought as an opener, this was a great way to kick off night two of the Great American Bash to firmly establish that the women's division across all three brands is kicking a whole lot of ass as of late. Moving on to a guilty pleasure of mine, Robert Stone. He is one of my favorite characters in all of wrestling as of late. He's completely delusional and I happen to get a kick out of him getting his ass kicked on a regular basis from Rhea Ripley. And last night he was hyping he had this new client that was going to join Aaliyah in the Robert Stone brand. And he approached Shotzi Blackheart and she turned him down flat as she sat in her tank. Robert was so offended he threw his coffee in a certain direction and the hot liquid landed on one Killian Dane and he promptly whooped Robert Stone's ass before Shotzi ran over Robert Stone's leg with her tank and he so death and I laughed. He is a great character actor and if this means that Killian Dane is hurting babyface, a role he is so much better in because to me this brooding angry Killian Dane does not work for me. He was at his best as a part of Sanity being this big dude that was a little crazy but lovable and tough and had a great personality. This Killian Dane is watered down to the nth degree and if he could whoop Robert Stone's ass and smile about it that'll make me a very happy camper so maybe we're going in that direction because you do need to level up the heel face dynamics in terms of big dudes doing incredibly agile shit on NXT as the heavyweight division heats up when it comes to the North American and NXT champion whoever could it be I guess you have to keep listening to find out wink wink Moving on to Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Johnny Gargano in a pretty damn good match. Unfortunately for me, I wasn't emotionally invested in the match, which is always a drawback because I love a good story. And despite the talent of both men, I could emotionally invest, but I loved everything they did. They worked incredibly well together. Some great grappling, based wrestling early on from both guys, which stood out. Then we had this little choreographed spot where they kind of blocked and countered spots. It was a little bit too cutesy for my taste, but once Isaiah hit that Fosbury flop on Gargano, things picked up nicely. And it was a nice striking battle that saw Scott having a fall with the house call, but it wasn't enough as Gargano drilled Scott with a crazy poison Rana onto the floor before dropping him with the one final beat DDT from the top rope for the one, two, three as Gargano gets a measure of revenge or swerve Scott from their battle backstage last week. And Gargano has his sights on Finn Balor for costing him a shot at being double champion on last night's show. Now, their match at Portland takeover a few months ago was great. And now that the roles are somewhat reversed, it can be even better and more physical and just a battle of epic proportions. Could be a takeover match, could be an NXT match or regular television. We shall see. But I love that tease 
down the road. And hopefully Scott can get some momentum back and become a difference maker in the NXT Cruiserweight division. And speaking of which, we had Legado del Fantasmas, Santos Escobar, Raul Mendoza, and Joaquin Wild going up against Brizongo and Drake Maverick. This was a decent six-man tag team match. It wasn't great. I did laugh at Brizongo's entrance as being the conquistadors. Their interests would never not make me laugh, and last night was no exception to that rule. The match was fine. Fandango sold a lot before making the hot tag to Drake Maverick, who was trying to get his hands on Escobar the entire match. They had a pretty good exchange, but then Escobar dropped him with a phantom driver directly on the injured neck area for the one, two, three. And that was it. A decisive win for the trio. I thought Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wout looked great and they can do so much more if they're given a chance to do so but in this match it's very limiting they weren't meant to just go crazy and all out but hopefully once we have more established cruiserweights in the division you can have a little bit more flexibility and fun to really showcase their skill sets because the one thing you don't want to do is be an average WWE worker when they're anything but that based on their past experience on the indie scene and in some cases, Lucha Underground in the case of Santos Escobar, we know they can be dynamic and do so much more and work any style. They can be whatever they wanna be, but I need them to be more dynamic in the ring and hopefully that will come in the weeks to come in the Cruiserweight division. It definitely needs some Kushida back in the fold, some Isaiah Swerve Scott and some other pieces. Jake Atlas, how you doing to really accentuate this division that can be quite good. Akira Tozawa, stop being a ninja and come in this division to kick some ass as well. I'm calling them all out because this division can be very hot if you got the pieces in place to do what you need to do on a regular basis. And now it is time for our main event segment. The biggest match in NXT in quite some time is Adam Cole, the 400 plus day NXT champion going up against Keith Lee, the current reigning NXT North America champion. And they had a battle for both belts and it was excellent. Keith Lee and Adam Cole work incredibly well together. They told a great story. Early on, it was all about Keith Lee bouncing Adam Cole around until Adam Cole grounded Keith Lee after he missed the pounce on Cole and bounced himself through the plexiglass in a six spot that allowed Cole to take advantage. And there was no cheating in this match. No UE out there to cause any distractions on Adam Cole's behalf. This was a hard fought match that saw Adam Cole hit Keith Lee with everything he had. And it wasn't enough. Keith Lee absorbed the blows. At one point, he delivered a crazy moonsault. And Adam Cole was seeing stars. He had that glazed look over his face. And he could literally see his title <laughs> flash before his eyes. His reign coming to an end. But he got back into it. Hit the last shot for a near fall. Went for the Panama Sunrise. Hit it. Keith Lee flipped over beautifully for another near fall. Then Adam Cole drew some of the series of super kicks. And Keith Lee keeps getting up, fighting back. And then Adam Cole says, let's try this again. Let me take off my knee pad, hit the last shot one more time. Let me hit a second Panama Sunrise. And then Keith Lee hulks up, grabs Adam Cole in midair, spirit bombs him before delivering the big bang catastrophe and becomes the brand new NXT champion and current reigning defending NXT North America champion at the same time as Keith Lee becomes a double champion for the first time in NXT history holding the major singles belts 
in the men's division. It was a wonderful celebration. Loved his emotion. I got a little emotional watching him get emotional. The fans who are WWPC trainees were very happy for Keith Lee. We had confetti. We had some pyro and we had Karrion Cross and Scarlett looking from the skybox view of Full Sail as they mark Lee as their next target heading into the next takeover, presumably taking place during SummerSlam weekend on the WWE Network. This was a great match, great action. It was spoiled last week due to someone posting a picture on Instagram of the result, which kind of watered down the moment, but you want to see how we got there. The story told between Keith Lee and Adam Cole, and they told a great story and Keith Lee is a deserving champion. I remember watching his ascent when NXT went to USA in September of 2019, and I saw something in him, in his match against Dominic Dijakovic. And he was a showstopper. He's a show stealer. He does amazing things for his size, and he is flash and substance personified. He can give you both. He doesn't have to fly everywhere in every match. He can give you that power, and then he can shock you with his agility at the exact same time and knows when to do without overdoing it to make those moments special. And Survivor Series was another coming out party for him. His great performance in an elimination match with that five-on-five situation against Raw and SmackDown that saw him eliminate Seth Rollins and going head-to-head with Roman Reigns as the final two men. His appearance at the Warrior Rumble against Brock Lesnar, another quality segment with Keith Lee. And his takeover match against Dominic Dijakovic, my God, took my breath away. Everything Keith Lee has done for the past nine months has just impressed me. And his time has come. It was perfect timing. It peaked perfectly. And I'm so happy for him. But I'll be remiss if I did not appreciate the greatness of Adam Cole for his 400 plus day reign as NXT champion. Dare I say the greatest NXT champion in his history. He carried that title with class and he had great matches against Keith Lee, against Finn Balor, against Johnny Gagano twice over, against Matt Riddle, against Pete Dunne, against Tommaso Ciampa, against Daniel Bryan on SmackDown on hours notice, flying from Orlando to Buffalo when the crew was stuck in Saudi Arabia for an extra 24 hours. Adam Cole, Bay Bay, delivered every single time, had a November to remember heading into Survivor Series and pretty much turned that tide in the ratings war against AEW. He was the guy that carried this brand on its back along with the rest of the Undisputed Era. And if his time at NXT is coming to an end, he could add so much value to Monday Night Raw and so much value to Friday Night SmackDown. And I pray to the wrestling guys above that Vince McMahon did not forget what this man did for him last November and what Keith Lee did for him last November as well because his call-up is going to be inevitable as well. Don't forget the value these guys brought to your shows, to Monday Night Raw, to Friday Night SmackDown, upped your numbers from hitting record seasonal lows, especially on USA, and giving Fox that much-needed boost after crashing during the World Series that week when they moved to FS1. So you need to accentuate both guys' strengths and say they can do it all. Both are great talkers, both are great workers, and both can provide a boost 
to your programming that is desperately needed right now. They have been a godsend NXT for Adam Cole for three years. For Keith Lee, his ascent is nine months in and is well-deserved. And I'm hoping that that hard work isn't forgotten, that it's appreciated and there's a push coming for both wherever they may land on the main roster because they've done so much wonderful work on NXT over the past year that I would be remiss for them to get fucked up by the old man. But you never know. But that should not be the case when they showed you what they can do on hours notice on a random Friday Night Smackdown from Buffalo, New York. And this was a great way to encapsulate that and this match to prove they can do it for you anywhere, anytime. And this main event was no exception as they won the ratings war overall but not in the demos this past week as things continue to tighten up on the wednesday night front and with that this wraps up a very eventful two-week run of the great american bash things will semi get back to normal next week as we have eo shirai defending the nxt women's championship against tegan Knox, which should be very good and cameron grimes going one-on-one -on -one with damian priest if they have the time and both men are not selling injuries should be just as good as well as they will try to offer their best counterpunch to AEW's fight for the fallen for COVID-19 relief. But as I mentioned at the top of the show, the best competition is healthy competition, both shows kicking ass and keeping things close and tight, which makes all of us as fans happy every Wednesday night because Wednesday night is the best night for professional wrestling. And on that note, this wraps up episode number eight of an extra special edition of the NXT Nightcap, recapping night two of the Great American Bash. I hope you enjoyed it. As always, you can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter, at WrestleSotopia on Instagram, where you can find me promoting these podcast shows on the semi-daily recapping Monday Night Raw, AW Dynamite, NXT, and Friday Night Smackdown on Fox. Feel free to download past episodes on all of your favorite podcast directories dating back to the Raw Verdict number one, which will coincide with week 25 of the WST Network, which will take place next Tuesday, which I'm very excited about. So Silver Anniversary is coming up from moi as we celebrate another milestone for this podcast. And I cannot wait to share it with all of you. A busy week as we get ready for the horror show at Extreme Rules next Sunday on the WWE Network. But simply search Russell Zootopia on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Plus, Amazon Alexa, and Spotify. So you can download, subscribe, and listen to past episodes anywhere anytime. I'll be back tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. Eastern with episode number 24 of the SmackDown Wind Down recapping the highs and lows from Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. Until then, enjoy your Friday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care. <laughs>